a lot of uh, understanding the ego and how people work. And when you're designing buildings and systems for people, understanding the psychology of people becomes really important. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sunny Side Up podcast. I'm your host today, Nick Stewart, and I am incredibly excited to talk to David Reed, um, who we're joined by today, Chief Technology and Marketing Officer at NOV. Um, been at NOV for over 20 years now and worked across sales, product, marketing, and just about everything in between. David's a pioneer of modern drilling equipment, drilling automation, oil field digitization. And David also serves on a number of boards, including Redeemed, which is a program for survivors of sex trafficking. So, David, super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. It's good to be here. Incredible. So we'd love to start with a little bit of background on yourself, your career, past roles, what you do today, and kind of what brought you to here. Well, well, it's been 30 years, so um, that's it's a, it's a long career. So I did not start anywhere near marketing or technology. I was actually in architecture. So I was designing buildings and did some of that in California and some in Scotland. Then a friend offered me a job in oil and gas business and um, I wasn't too excited about it, but I I was willing to try. Money was good. And then someone else in oil and gas reached out, and they um, they offered me uh, a job in a repair shop, which seemed really odd because I knew absolutely nothing about machines and equipment. And uh, uh, But what they liked was that um, we talked about the behaviors of human beings and uh, the, particularly the design and buildup of London by American companies and some of the things that were happening in business and the ways that people thought uh, coming out of the States was was something I had studied and done as my final thesis in college. And they wanted me to go into the workshop with that thinking, knowing what Californians needed and knowing how Scottish people behaved. And so uh, we did that. And it was um, it was very, very effective. And over time, I really liked the culture of the company. They They were a small company at the time. It was called Barco, and we it was very innovative. They were doing a lot of new things, and um, I really liked the inventing process. And so within a few years, I was already starting to design things, and they pulled me over to the headquarters, and I started to run what was effectively giant robots, 100 to 140-foot-tall machines that, that would move pipe around on a drilling rig. So I was very excited by all of that. And then I developed kind of that business and then a, a theory around integrated systems. And we started buying companies. And so that is the core of the company, kind of the drilling rig business. And then we've grown it out to the services around the rig and the equipment associated. And then we moved out to completion and production systems. And now we're kind of over into the renewable space where we're starting to solve energy problems over there. All along, I kind of had a marketing edge, and it wasn't until maybe six or seven years ago that I got responsibility for corporate marketing, and then that led to also the technology job where I was involved in inventing, and, and I think my boss looks at it as um, I'm the lead artist, so I deal with artists who invent and develop new things and from, from a marketing side as well as uh, from a machinery side, so most people don't get the connection. Most people think I do IT, which I don't at all. I make things, I design things with teams, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
it's been one heck of a run over the past 30 yeah. years. And just looking at your career at NOV, I mean, from sales engineer to product manager to sales, and then now serving as both CMO and CTO, I, I can imagine that experience across nearly every corner of the company gives you such a unique perspective on the way that you manage teams. So I'm curious to hear a little bit, how does your background impact the way that you tackle challenges on the day-to-day? I actually teach leadership. I have done in the company for a long time, and most of it comes out of architecture, which is really funny. Um, Some of the principles of architecture are great in people leadership, uh, mostly because it involves a lot of uh, understanding the ego and how people work. And when you're designing buildings and systems for people, understanding the psychology of people becomes really important. And once I started in the workshop, uh, it's the first thing I did that came natural to me was to look at how the how the whole ecosystem was working, what motivated people, what made them happy, and what they were doing. And over many years and many mistakes, I'll say, I, I went from driving people to, to growing people. And uh, when you're focused on growth of human beings, everything works out. You know, the business grows, things go well, function happens better, there's less dysfunction, less human issues, the more you focus on human issues. And so over time, it took me a while, but I eventually worked out that getting people right is, is going to get the business right. So that, that really has been a foundation of what I do. And I, I obsess on our people and my direct reports. I sit in on their reviews only because I, I really want them to see how to, how to really think about growth of human beings and not be restricted, not think someone has a job title, they should do that thing it's, as opposed to what was this person really made to do? You know, what, what lights them up? What, what makes them do amazing things that no one else can do? And I believe every human being has that. And it's your job to help them find that. And uh, when you do, uh, it becomes really an unbeatable system of people who are all high performers, all doing things they love, most of them doing things that they didn't think or didn't know that they were, you know, it was a superpower. And when they start to learn that and they get the feedback from people, uh, they become extremely happy. And your job is to balance them, to make sure they don't overwork, make sure they balance their life and make sure they do the things that they love doing. And uh, the things that they have to do, you get them, they have to do. But there's also things that people are just never going to be able to do. And it doesn't make them good or bad. It just says, please steer away from these things. So learning that is as important as learning people's superpowers and guiding them into it. But mostly you're just telling them to care about their own growth and the growth of others. And if you get that sorted out, everything in the business works. Absolutely. A winning culture is all about people at the end of the day. And I'd love to hear your take on the importance of culture, given that NOV is as large as it is. I mean, I know it wasn't whenever you first started, but over the years, just constantly acquiring businesses, you're, you're working with colleagues halfway across the world. So given how large and, and how often things are changing, how do you maintain a culture that inspires the team to grow and, and trust each other and win? Well, it's a, it's a weird thought that you would dictate a culture. That, that doesn't make sense in, in any human system. And so I think one of the problems of corporate thinking is you believe that everyone's the same, and it's, that's not true. In fact, I have a philosophy that is observational that just says you don't ever see any corporate babies. It's not a human style. Um, it's actually pretending that there's nothing wrong ever. 
and it's not helpful. So if you're going to grow a culture, you need to work out what is our culture. And so most of our acquisitions, when we buy, a couple of things are interesting. One is that people do have their own culture when they come in. Uh, they have what they do. And, and for us, um, letting them be who they are is really important. And then trying to woo them into a different direction has really been our approach. And most people who try to talk to us about how we run our company get really confused because that that everything that they know as large companies, that's the opposite story. I mean, telling people, do what you want, um, but we'll be going this way if you want to come along, uh, is, is very different. And then we put people in learning and growth opportunities inside the company where they get to know the rest of the company. And that starts to take barriers down when they decide to work together. But fundamentally, we won't make them do things that are from some corporate edict that uh, doesn't fit with where they think they need to be for their business. Now, that, that means you will get variants. You'll get people with different cultures in the company. But interestingly, when we studied it, the weirdest thing happened. We learned that the majority of the company has believes in the exact same things. And we literally went around the world meeting people who had never met each other and were not told some corporate, this is who we are, this is how we think. And the film that we made, you can find it on our, our YouTube. It's called We Are NOV. The surprise was that everyone finished each other's sentences. And so we literally had a culture that evolved. And, and because of the kind of people we were and the kind of way we led people, had this really healthy, same foundation that, that is shocking as you go around the world and meet people from the company because they're very similar. They feel everyone actually used the term family talking about the company, which we didn't tell them to do that. That was the word they used. No one called it a company or corporation. And so it's learning to control less and understand kind of what you're made to do more and and really appreciate people that you purchase to bring in and let them, most of them are shocked because we don't turn up and say, you have to change everything immediately. But some come in and they want, they want a corporate identity quickly. They want to get the value of the bigger company. Uh, and some take their time, and we're okay with that. Um, I just did a trip to Europe, and there was a couple of facilities that were, you know, three years in, and they hadn't really adopted the company look and feel. And uh, and they were, this is, I'm just getting to see it now, where they're adopting it, and uh, and it's great to see. But they choose it on their own time scale because uh, sometimes it's just a, a, a giant ego trip that people have, or we're going to make this company ours and we'll look the same everywhere instead of letting people naturally grow into what, what in effect is an adoption, you know, do I want to be a part of this family? And so, so that works. It's, it's messy. Most people ask when you explain it, first of all, how do you control people? And we say, we don't, how are you doing controlling your kids? Is that going well? It's human beings they're not <laughs> to be controlled or, or they're not robots. But is it sustainable? They all ask, and we go, we, we don't know. We're not following someone's model. Um, we just are what we are. But, I mean, we acquire a company a month on average. And um, we grow almost every company that we buy, um, or they grow. Um, they just fit into the culture. So unique to hear that, even though it's one of the largest families on earth, that there's a common yeah. thread among them. And it's really an underlying culture that's been created. So. That being said, I do want to hear from some of the challenges that you faced or some of the lessons that you learned 
going through these acquisitions? Like, what were some of the roadblocks and maybe some times where, you know, things didn't go as, as, as they should have um, um, as you were integrating the teams yeah. across? So many, so many ways. I, I, I do think when we were early days, people who were the acquirer um, would behave like we bought you, we won. Particularly if you're, some businesses were consolidating um, the industries. And, um, and so it's like, who won? And, and I don't think you'd ever hear that out of any of our mouths nowadays. But in the early days, that was how people thought acquisitions were. Um, so the things you say and how you talk become important. Um, the rhythms that you build for us, acquisition is a way of life. And so people started to get used to it and learn what, what we wanted. But um, sometimes we promise things that we can't deliver on or shouldn't have promised. <laughs> So the way we select companies is there is a tiny group that buys companies. It's like two or three people. But the ideas come from the company. And so what happens is they fall in love with this idea. What if we bought that? They could be a great addition to our business. And then the, the guys come in and do the negotiations. And usually we get better deals, honestly, because people want to come to a company that the history is your product grows. Most companies buy companies and crush them and kill them. And uh, they don't know why, you know, they don't understand it. We often get them asking questions. But but what happens in the process is I, I had one fairly recently where someone really wanted to sustain their identity and made some promises that we couldn't keep over time. And so my challenge was they were very proud of they got they got acquired and they're getting to have their own look and feel that looks nothing like the company. And they really needed to integrate. And so What's weird for us is our job is to go in and convince them they want to be a part. And, and uh, that is a good process. But if you don't kind of set the stage of we're going, this is the journey we're on, it can, it can be way too messy where people start to think they're better than the rest of the company or they're different. And, and they start to feel, you know, they act more, you know, more independent than they should. They don't think of the the company value, they don't like the, the bigger brand. And so that transition, if you don't let people know this is a destination that we want to go on, then it can be messy. So we've had plenty of, of messy things happen in that way. We also have let people linger too long out and, you know, without being a part of the bigger group and didn't ask, you know, do you want to be a part? Because some of them really did. I mean, we have some obscure businesses that are uh, far from our core and um, we thought they didn't really want, you know, they could easily not come to our corporate identity. And a lot of them wanted to. So that, that was an interesting learning. But you can't treat them all the same because their businesses are different. And so teaching people to be of service fundamentally is something in, in my groups that it's not an option. You know, they, I, I can only have people who want to serve others. And so if people are not made that way, I encourage them to other types of careers, but definitely not my group. Uh, it's not a cruel thing. It's just a conversation about what makes you happy. And some people are made to be lawyers and contracts people, and some people are made to be, you know, collaborators. And so we, we definitely do better with the collaborators. And, and that, work, that works pretty well. I have learned in, in the marketing world to have your own creatives and i mean basically we don't outsource at all um but that's that was a bit of a culture change for the company but uh, we have people inside who we can't even find suppliers who are as good as them 
And uh, sometimes they see some of our video work and they ask who our actors are and they're just our people. They're not, they're not actors, but they're just, they are good actors, which is a new generation phenomenon that works quite well. There's a, a lot of people are actors because they've been, they've been filming themselves. And so they've had lots of practice, but, uh, but we, um, in having your own creatives, the journey of getting someone who doesn't want to look different, most people want to look the same as someone else. Uh, breaking through that and trying to be uh, memorable is a journey. So you need really trained people. They're really skilled at getting people to see something that's outside of what they would expect or ask for and want to do it. Um, so that whole being different and standing out uh, takes uh, some special skills. So we have a few people who are really good at that. Um, I call them performance artists because they, when they perform to tell a story, um, people who would never have agreed to do something that is a bit different sign up immediately, you know. And so that's a, that's been a really good win uh, in in that difficulty of getting people to stand out. And uh, I think, think that matters a lot. Absolutely. I mean, it really does um, create that sense of camaraderie whenever you're seeing videos internally and it's your own colleagues from halfway yeah. across the world that are in those videos. And um, I love the themes that I was pulling out around just collaboration and bringing teams together that are truly going to operate as one. I mean, here at Demandbase over the past two years, we've gone through three acquisitions and just recognize how challenging it can be whenever you're integrating those new teams and, and new processes in place. But as long as you have that one guiding light of we're creating a, a team that's going to work together is really the ultimate goal. So well, again, and, and it, thank you. It's all, from, it's all from the leadership you have to teach because they, they think they're in a mm -hmm. war and then they're not. The, the enemy is outside of the company. And if you can get people thinking that way, you know, you're, you can do better things. Absolutely. And all of this insight has been incredibly helpful. I, I'd love to wrap with two questions that are personally one of my favorites. The first is around Goodreads. So do you have any books, blogs, newsletters, websites that you recommend to our listeners that you find really valuable in both professional and, and personal way? I, I, I don't, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't have a specific, there's lots that I think, I think diversity of, of learning is really important. So I would recommend not that I have the thing you should do because I, I change my behavior all the time because I'm understanding cultures, understanding different backgrounds, people who are not like you, people who are you know, doing different things. I, I do think um, life is always researching, you know, and I, I may be a bit of a documentary lover uh, because I want to understand history as well. Um, so, but I think finding different sources um, and surprising yourself, reaching out, um, finding new people to talk to. Um, I, I really don't read that much. I'm, I'm dyslexic, so it's my least favorite. So I'm so glad I have YouTube to go search and find subjects. But um, but sometimes podcasts, but I don't, I don't ever stay on a one channel. I do believe that we're in an era where the algorithms are driving you into a tunnel and, uh, and you've got to fight the algorithms. You've got to teach them what you need and what you need is diversity. So you should confuse them all the time and be looking uh, into new things. Look at things for a while, but don't stick with them. Um, try. I think variability has got to be what what I use the most, 
Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to tell you to read one book or do one thing. I, I just, I just really fish around and, and I make it a, a serious thing that I do. I also fish around LinkedIn and find different people. Sometimes people use our equipment, sometimes someone abstract, someone with the same title. There's, there's people trying to sell us conferences all the time to go talk to other CMOs or CTOs. And I, I just go find them and have lunch with them. So I think go find people yourself, build relationship and connection. And, uh, and make sure you rest well. And if it's reading you do, read away. <laughs> um, but whatever it is, the balance of uh, work addiction turning into either a superpower or the thing that kills you, I'd, I'd lean towards your superpower and learn to rest well and, and learn to have diverse thought. I love that diversity of thought. So spread yourself and, and learn as much as you can. And I guess the second question was going to be people. Is there anyone in the, the industry that you really respect or, or that might be a great, great guest to uh, come on here and share their knowledge or same answer where diversity of thought, let's, let's spread it out. Diversity is the thing, but I, I, the people, so one of my favorites who I've got to know is uh, David Batstone, um, who wrote the book, um, Not For Sale, because I, I mean, obviously I work in the anti-trafficking world, but he has turned brands that you may buy today that you don't know uh, into ways to fight trafficking. And so he actually has built businesses in countries where there's a lot of source uh, trafficking for various reasons. And he creates a competitive model for people to work at decent wages and, and then create great products. So he, he didn't go the normal route. So I like him a lot. Not, not just the book, Not For Sale, but, but his story. I like following him and connecting with him as a person. So that's a, there's a recommendation. David Batstone. Incredible. And for our listeners, where can they read more about Redeem Ministries? Well, Red M is the organization I run. Redeemed is one of the groups we support. Um, Red M is at joinredm.com. And basically, we engage professionals in giving back and expanding an awareness about sex trafficking, particularly without it being a heavy subject, trying to find a way to engage society so we can talk about it and if we, anyone gets a call on the subject of what do you care about, this needs to be on their lips because we're in the, the worst slavery environment that this planet has ever been on. And we all have to do due diligence and understand that this is an issue we need to stand for. So join redm.com and uh, our channels are usually Red M the Movement or if you go to YouTube, it's join Red M. Incredible. Well, highly recommend everyone listening today to, to check that out and David, can't thank you enough for making the time to join the podcast and, and being a part of our show. Thanks again. No problem. Thank you. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Base TV. 